Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. With your NXT Worlds Collide Ultimate Preview Edition of your favorite professional wrestling podcast. That's right, Getting Over is back once again for the second time this week. And the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, is here to break down everything that went down Tuesday night on NXT, the go-home edition of the show leading into NXT Worlds Collide on Sunday. What at first seemed to be a thrown-together show perhaps is still a bit thrown together, but nevertheless, business picked up in a major way on Tuesday to make this NXT Premium Live event one of the perhaps most anticipated and most takeover-like events that has been created by this brand since the actual end of takeovers over a year ago. So there is a lot to unpack on today's show regarding NXT. It is rare, of course, that we do an NXT show on its own. I had decided to do so before I even got to see what happened on Tuesday night, but I am extremely glad I scheduled things this way because as I said, there is a lot to break down, not just from TV, but looking ahead to Worlds Collide on Sunday. So we're not going to waste a lot of time at the start of the show, but I do need to remind you that the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So please folks, especially this week, stop being marks for yourselves and go back to being a mark for me. Go back to being marks for the Silver King Adam Silverstein Vintage Chris Vanini and the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, leaving a five-star rating on Apple, also leaving a written review to let everyone know how much you love the show, why you listen, and tell them why they should subscribe. Those five-star reviews are so important. They help us add new listeners and grow the show. And every time we get a new one, we read it live here on the podcast as we did this past Tuesday. Speaking of this past Tuesday, that was the first of five podcasts we are doing for you in this extended week. We did a WWE Clash at the Castle Ultimate Preview, an extended show. Make sure you listen to that before Clash at the Castle goes down on Saturday. Of course, today is the NXT Worlds Collide Ultimate Preview. Tomorrow, depending on when you're listening to this Thursday, AEW All Out Ultimate Preview. There should be plenty of matches announced at the last minute for that. Saturday afternoon or perhaps evening, we will have your WWE Clash at the Castle Instant Analysis. That's a little bit of a TBA, depending on what happens during that show. And of course, Sunday night, we will have an AEW All Out and NXT Worlds Collide two-in-one instant analysis episode. Five shows, one week, the Silver King on all of them, Vintage Chris Vanini on most of them. Uh, We're very excited to bring you all of this programming here on what is one of the most loaded wrestling weekends of the entire year, of course, the first Saturday of the college football season and one week before the NFL season begins here in the United States. One more thing before we get to breaking down NXT, a reminder to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Not only do we tweet every single time the show goes live, a new episode, not only do we tweet live during all of the major programs, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, Dynamite, but we also post pre and post show polls. That way you all can participate in our program. You can kind of let us know what you think going into a show, what you think coming out of a show, 
It's also a place for you to send us DMs and tweets with questions and comments that we will read and answer live here on the air. And it's just a great place to follow the latest important news and notes in the world of professional wrestling. We don't tweet about every little item that comes down. We try to confirm a lot of stuff and let you know, inform you when major things are happening in this sports entertainment genre that we all love so much. So with all of that said and out of the way, let's get into breaking down NXT this week. We're going to do this in two sections. We're going to start off by talking about everything that happened on NXT that does not directly relate to Worlds Collide. And then we will do our NXT Worlds Collide ultimate preview so you can catch up on everything ahead of the big show. If you happen to be listening to us closer to the weekend and you just want to hear the Worlds Collide preview, go ahead, hit up our episode description. We have timestamps in there so you know exactly when to jump around. But I do hope, of course, that you listen to the entire show today. What was so interesting about NXT on Tuesday is I found it to be one of the best NXT 2.0 episodes to date. And that's despite there being really a relative lack of wrestling compared to what we normally get. The show just had such a flow to it. There was a concerted effort to go home strong to Worlds Collide. There were a couple good matches, a ton of cameos. It made everything feel purposeful and more important than it usually does. And I could even point out that despite all of the praise that Chris and I have been giving to the main roster recently under Triple H with with Trip having the book, despite all of the praise we've given to them, Raw on Monday night was not really the best go-home show to a major stadium event, especially given SmackDown this coming Friday was taped. The opposite can be said for this edition of NXT. It was perhaps the perfect go-home show, especially for an event that has like a two and a half week build to it. Like they really haven't, you know, like Worlds Collide in many ways in two weeks was built better than AEW All Out, which has had four months or three months to really get to it. So you do have to appreciate the effort that was really put in by the talent, by the creative team. Shawn Michaels leading the entire thing. Whether Triple H has a hand in it, I'm not exactly sure. But Worlds Collide, really out of nowhere. I'm not suggesting it's going to be the best show of the weekend, but coming out of this weekend, it may well be the best show when all is said and done. We will certainly find out about that. So as I said, let's get to talking about what happened on NXT that is not directly related. We had Apollo Crews and Grayson Waller in a singles match. This opened the show. Crews interrupted Waller before he could cut a pre-match promo. He hit a long delayed vertical suplex early before selling an eye injury with Waller taking advantage from there. Cruz hit a blockbuster off the second rope, but Waller snapped back over the top rope and then poked Cruz in the eye midair while doing his rolling cutter for the win. I thought it was an extremely creative finish to excuse the loss for Cruz. We discussed last week how NXT would really need to book this right because neither Cruz nor Waller really should have lost the match. They nailed it. They figured out a way to get Waller the win for Cruz to take the loss, have an excuse, and really not have him hurt it at all. It's also notable that they did an eye injury specifically given his foresight gimmick or whatever exactly they're doing with him. So they did an injury that factors into the gimmick. They made it work. And the sequence in which they did it, the rolling cutter with the eye poke, expertly executed. Just really well done. JD McDonough took offense to Wesley calling him creepy last week. He said he may be unorthodox, but everything he does is by design. He said he'd rather be creepy than emotionally fragile like Wesley. 
JD also kept adjusting the interviewer's microphone during the segment, I guess suggesting that he has OCD or something like that. So on one hand, this was probably the best segment we've gotten from him since he debuted in the United States. On the other hand, it's still really not hitting. So I'm not a fan of the gimmick. I'm not a fan of the name either. And, you know, I guess going into a feud with Wesley, it gives him something that he can win. But I also kind of thought that Wesley was on the come up. Like he had gotten over that hump, the emotional hump, and he was going to kind of go through and start winning things. I thought maybe he would challenge for the North American Championship. Instead, here we are where it looks like he's just going to take the fall in a match to McDonough, who it seems like is going to go right back into feuding with Braun Breaker um, if he retains the NXT Championship, which we will get to later. Uh, Andre Chase fought Charlie Dempsey. This started with a catch-style chain wrestling kind of sequence before we eventually got the Chase U stomps and a sit-down Uranagi. Dempsey countered the pin attempt into three consecutive transitional submissions, but Bodie Hayward tried to coach up Chase while he was close to the ropes. That distracted Dempsey who took him out at ringside with a gut wrench suplex only to get caught by Chase with a leg hook pinning combination inside for the win. Again, a really well-booked match, just extremely smart. I was going into it wondering why Dempsey attacked Hayward during the segment last week. So I figured they would fight, Dempsey would get the win, and then he would fight Andre Chase and possibly take a loss. They skipped over that part. They just went right to Andre Chase. I don't know why they did that. I thought that it would have been nice for Dempsey to get a win first, then fight Chase. Chase wins this way. They have a rematch. Dempsey beats Chase. And then you're all set. It seems like they skipped a step here. Uh, but I do expect a rematch here in short order and Dempsey to eventually win. But I got to say, Chase you, Andre Chase, when it started out, I mean, I don't think I had a very positive reaction to it on the podcast. I thought it was probably stupid and, you know, lacking... Mo- a modern feel or a seriousness to it. And between the cursing, the Bobby Knight style cursing in the when he's giving uh, talks to the students and some of the vignettes they've done, uh, adding Thea Hale to the group basically as a freshman, the whole thing just works. Chase U is awesome. The student section is awesome. I really do believe it's main roster caliber. Like they could tweak it, make it look a little bit more professional. And I really do believe that they could work as a jobber faction on the main roster. It's crazy. Zoe Stark and Kiana James had a match. James was in some office criticizing Stark for injuring herself and ruining her two title opportunities. She said Stark overpromises and underdelivers. It was another really poor video package for her. And it really didn't help that the setting with like the Stark walls with nothing on them. Kiana wearing a very skimpy outfit business attire, her secretary or assistant entering in very skimpy type of business attire. It just gave off adult film vibes. It did. There's really no two ways about it. There's no other way to kind of term it. When you add on top of that, the poor acting, and I'm not saying that she should be giving an Oscar level performance in a wrestling video package. But the poor acting, the setting, the attire, when you put it all together, it is giving off certain vibes to the viewing audience that I can't imagine that they're purposely trying to give off. They've got to get rid of this gimmick, give her something better to sink her teeth into. It doesn't even really make sense. We don't. She says that she has this business experience and expertise, but what is it? What exactly does she do? She's making random threats on the phone to a business associate. Is it real estate? Is it finance? 
what area does she work in? All of it is just, it's horrible. It really is. And she's decent enough in the ring where she shouldn't be saddled with something this poor. It's as simple as that. Stark won the match with a flipping GTS in relatively easy fashion. After the bell, James tried to attack her with her bag. When Nikita Lyons ran in with a spear for the save, James looked decent, improved uh, to her credit in the ring, but she's hardly at Stark's level. It's not even close. Stark and Lyons remaining a tag team and possibly maybe going after those titles. Not the exact booking I would do. I wouldn't really put them together. Maybe Stark can help Lyons improve in the ring. Maybe that's the goal. I guess we'll find out. Roxanne Perez got a video package by a peer where she talked about Cora Jade breaking her heart by ending their friendship. She then sent Cora a text telling her to watch her back and then blocked her on her phone. Short, sweet, effective, well executed. You could tell the concept came from someone younger and that's a good thing. Uh, Quincy Elliott got another video promo saying that growing up, everyone thought they could define him, but they didn't know him at all. He said he's flyer than a reindeer in the winter and he's coming to change the game. Fans chanted for him in the background. The confidence on this guy It remains apparent, so really good for him. He's two for two on these little video packages, and I believe he's been a feature on Level Up, the NXT show on Peacock WWE Network. So I think the homegrown Orlando crowd has some affection for him. So it's cool that he's kind of getting this type of elevation, and I'm going to be interested to see what he does when he actually gets in the ring on NXT television with, you would think, better competitors. Uh, Joe Gacy said time has come for Cameron Grimes to decide whether to accept his offer. Schism ended up in the ring for some ceremony where Gacy passed out yellow smiley face pins. Fans chanted, shut the hell up, which apparently not only can you not say, you know, shit, holy shit, USA Network's going to bleep that. Now they're bleeping the word hell in chance. Give me a break. Um, So they bleeped, shut the hell up, and then Gacy got boring chance. Grimes came out and said he doesn't need them. And then as he walked out, Gacy commented about Grimes not having a father anymore. That led Grimes to attack, but rather than hit him, Gacy hugged him and he held off the dyad from further fighting. The ending was actually pretty decent, like if you're going to do a gimmick like this. But folks, this remains the worst gimmick in NXT history. It is painfully bad. Zero point zero. Zero point zero, Mr. Blutarski. That is one big pile of shit. And really, beyond being terrible, it's just boring. I'm bored, brother. And something being on your TV, simultaneously being terrible and boring, is the worst possible combination. I, I like all three of the guys. Joe Gacy, he has some talent. Uh, the grizzled young veterans, I still want to call them that. They are extremely talented and capable on the mic and in the ring. They bastardize them. They look bad. Their names are worse. And they are in a go nowhere group. I don't get it. I don't think I ever will get it. Someone, for the love of all that is holy, save these guys from this gimmick. Get it off my television, please. All right, that is everything that happened on NXT that did not directly relate to the premium live event. Let's roll into that right now, your NXT Worlds Collide Ultimate Preview. Credit where it's due here. I kind of said it earlier, but despite a really short build to Worlds Collide, WWE and NXT did whatever they could to make this legitimately feel 
like one of the most important shows in brand history. From the contract signings last week to cameos this week from 10 former champions and legends on a go-home show, it felt like the entire company was invested in Worlds Collide, both in reality and in kayfabe. It's a six-match card. Every bout on it has a chance to be some level of banger. There's going to be at least three guaranteed title unifications and at least one insane men's singles match, possibly two. The first one we're going to talk about, it doesn't seem to officially be on the card, but I thought they booked it for the card during NXT, and as I break it down, you will understand why. So it was Nathan Frazier and Axiom. They were sitting backstage reading comic books. Uh, They were talking about being excited for Worlds Collide. Frazier said that he's experienced both brands, and both are great, and it's probably tough for Axiom to understand that because he's never experienced NXT UK. So Axiom just acted as if that was true, saying that was a shame, and they basically ended up having a friendly conversation and agreed to do a best of three British rounds challenge, which I have to assume is being held on the show because why would you do that type of match on regular NXT three days later or two days later? So I think it's on the show. The whole thing was really well done because it was done in a tongue-in-cheek fashion. Axiom, for those who may not know, was a kid back from NXT UK. So obviously he, he he's had only experience in NXT UK for the most part, but he's now under a mask and using a different name and gimmick. So the only thing I found strange about the entire thing is there is the Heritage Cup. It still exists, even though it hasn't been fully mentioned on TV. It was briefly mentioned during the segment, but they have a champion in Noam Dar. And Noam Dar could have come down and done a British rounds match with Frazier or Axiom or even Carmelo Hayes, the North American champion. Both are kind of mid-card titles and crowns, but they're not doing that. Perhaps they're going to save the Heritage Cup and reintroduce it when NXT Europe begins and kind of just forget that it exists right now. I don't exactly know, but Whenever this match happens, whether it's on Worlds Collide, whether it's on NXT this week, it is going to be a banger. It may well be the fastest match in NXT history in terms of in-ring speed. Um, If it does happen on the show, I'm going to give it a prediction now. Frazier over Axiom. Frazier's the one who's not in a mask. He's the one who's being pushed harder. He has a brighter future than Axiom and nothing against him. I do think that Axiom is talented. But if you're doing this match, and especially if you're doing it on Worlds Collide, Frazier needs to be your winner. So that's my prediction. Very much looking forward to it whenever it happens. On NXT, we had a NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match. Caden Carter and Katana Chance against Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley. Paxley was wearing a mask for an injured nose. She had a really impressive standing corkscrew moonsault early in the match. Toxic Attraction watched from their perch when the tag team left midway through the match. Gigi Dolan ended up pulling Ivy off the ring apron. JC Jane then distracted Paxley with Nile fighting them both off. That opened the door for the champions to hit the assisted elevated 450 for the win. Why they haven't named that move, I have absolutely no idea. After the bell, the KC said they would give the challengers another chance in the future, but they wanted to be involved in Worlds Collide. They planned to do a party in the parking lot during the show. Instead of that, suddenly out of nowhere, Dewdrop's music hits and then Nikki Ash's music hits. And they come to the ring to suggest that all four of them dance in the ring instead of the parking lot. The champions accepted the challenge and shook their hands, 
before the four stare down each other to end the segment. The match actually had its moments, the one I just broke down, but Toxic interfering because they didn't want anyone else to challenge for the titles was kind of weak. And yeah, the KC still got the win, but it wasn't clean. Why not just let them get a clean win in their first title defense? That's always annoying to me. The post-match got a huge pop from the crowd. It really would have been the perfect opportunity for Dewdrop to come out as Piper Nevin and Nikki Ash to come out as Nikki Cross, refresh their gimmicks and go back, and then kind of reappear on the main roster a little bit later. Not the end of the world, though, that they're not doing it. So we do have an NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match on the show, the KC's against Dewdrop and Nikki. I think it's really smart booking. It gets a couple main roster stars on the show. And given there's absolutely no chance they're going to win the titles off the KC's, it continues their storyline of frustration, losing, and not capitalizing on big opportunities. We talked about Tuesday, the social media video that we got with Dewdrop and Nikki following Raw. A loss here continues that. And I do think that's really smart. The only thing that would have been cooler is if Worlds Collide was actually in the United Kingdom and these two European women got a chance to wrestle in the UK. Instead, they don't get to go over there and they're kind of stuck in Orlando on this show. Uh, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams, they actually main evented NXT on Tuesday. Both guys hit the ring furious that Melo, the A champion, was being left off Worlds Collide. Melo said he's beaten some of the best in NXT, referencing Johnny Gargano, Velveteen Dream, and Swerve. He said he unified a title himself months ago, referring to the Cruiserweight Championship, and he said he's the best North American champion of all time. Melo said, I'm not going to appear at Worlds Collide or defend my title because there's basically no one on my level. Suddenly, the lights went out. There was a pause, which I thought was extremely well done. And out of nowhere, Ricochet's music hits. Mello was shell-shocked at first, but he saw Ricochet had a mic, so both he and Trick took a swipe at his promo skills. Rick told them to shut up, and he said, Mello is doing some great things, but he just can't measure up to him. Ricochet said, it's not amazing that Mello's had multiple successful title defenses because no one remembers any of his individual matches. He said he was there to give the NXT crowd and Mello a match that they can actually remember. Trick then separated them, but he ate a roundhouse kick. Rick then caught Mello springing off the ropes with recoil before picking up the North American title and holding it in the air to end the show. At some point, when it comes to Carmelo Hayes, you just want to see this guy wrestle the best possible wrestlers that he can. We're wrestlers in a wrestling ring. Let's just freaking wrestle. And that's what we're getting here. We are getting arguably the best in-ring performer in NXT right now. You know, you can make that argument versus arguably the most exciting in-ring performer on the main roster. In a match for the North American Championship, their stakes, the very brief and truncated storyline makes sense given the circumstances, and it's going to be not on a regular TV you know, show. It's going to be on a premium live event. This certainly has the opportunity, and it is the betting favorite if there was one, to be match of the night. I can't imagine them not stealing the show. So on a weekend, again, that has Clash at the Castle, Roman Reigns may well lose that title all out. We don't even know what the main event is at the taping of this podcast. And all these other really exciting matches across both those shows. Carmelo Hayes and Ricochet will have an opportunity to not just steal the show, maybe even steal the weekend. I don't know that they'll do that, but they at least have the chance because the match exists. Oh yeah, in terms of a prediction... Mello retaining the title. There's no reason for Ricochet to win. It'll be a feather in his cap for Mello to be able to beat Ricochet, a main roster superstar. And Ricochet is doing so well on SmackDown that 
you can kind of excuse a loss here. First of all, they could use Trick Williams as a reason to excuse it. But, you know, it's a certain circumstance on a different brand. It's not really factoring in directly into his SmackDown storylines. So Ricochet has been built up well enough recently with those two wins over Baron Corbin. Even if he does take a clean loss here, it's not the end of the world. I just don't see a way in, in which Ricochet comes back to NXT given the way they're building him up on SmackDown, given how thin the roster is on SmackDown, and given basically what WWE is trying to do to enhance its mid-card across both of those brands. Sending Ricochet back doesn't make sense, especially after just sending Apollo Crews back. Therefore, Melo retains the title. Briggs, Jensen, and Fallon Henley fought Pretty Deadly and Lash Legend in a six-person mixed tag team match. Briggs used Henley as a weapon inside before tossing her ass outside into the three heels, Jensen got the hot tag and was going for a tag of his own. When one of his boots came off, suddenly Gallus appeared at ringside. Briggs jumped off the apron to attack them. Joe Coffey of Gallus hit Jensen in the face with something I couldn't tell. That allowed Elton Prince to roll him up for the win. All three teams then brawled with security trying to separate them after the bell. So we also had Diamond Mine against Gallus. In the dojo, Julius Creed got his brother and Damon Kemp really pumped up. Roderick Strong entered saying he had security camera footage to prove that they could trust him but Julius didn't want to hear it, and Kem said he didn't trust Strong anymore. Ivy Nile then came in to set them straight, telling them to stop being petty. It was nice to finally see her involved in the arguments and to actually step up to the men and kind of say, hey, you guys are being ridiculous. Like, we're all in this together. What are you doing? I appreciated that. Gallus came to the ring for their match with security after the earlier brawl. There was a choreographed three-on-three brawling spot with Diamond Mine as the aggressors. I'm never really fond of those. Julius literally then deadlifted Joe Coffey for a slam. It was insane to see his power. Kemp had a really nice hot tag until Strong appeared at ringside with his cell phone. He wanted to show them all footage. Why he would do that in the middle of the match? Well, we'll have to get to that at another point. Uh, Security tried to force him away as Kemp stomped on his phone. When Kemp got back inside, he actually took out two of the Gallus members, only for Joe to catch him with a lariat for the win. Deadly and Briggs and Jensen immediately charged down for a second major brawl as nearly 30 officials, agents, security guards, and wrestlers ran out to try to separate the teams. As we suspected last week, all four of these teams will be involved in the tag team championship unification match, but in a nice twist from a uh, storyline and um, stipulation standpoint, that's the word I'm looking for, they're going to do an elimination match, which I always appreciate when it's a fatal four-way or a fatal five-way. So, It's going to be Diamond Mine, the NXT Tag Team Champions, against Briggs & Jensen, the NXT UK Tag Team Champions, Gallus and Pretty Deadly as the other two teams. So this is the first of three title unification matches for us to break down on the show. And I believe the prevailing sentiment going into NXT Worlds Collide is almost like you roll your eyes and you say, well, NXT is just going to have all of their 2.0 people win and unify the titles basically taking all the NXT UK titles and merging them into the NXT titles as opposed to the other way around. And we're going to go through my predictions for each of the matches individually because I do think there are legitimate cases to be made for NXT UK talent to come out on top in all three of the matches or any of the three matches, I should say, individually. But at the end of the day, I just don't think they're going to. And... I can't exactly pinpoint why. Maybe it's because NXT is on television and NXT UK is lightly watched on Peacock and the WWE Network 
And therefore, the thought of those booking the show would be, well, we need to feature and put over our stars and not the people who just recently joined the brand who most of the audience probably doesn't know. That's probably the reason why I lean towards NXT people, NXT 2.0 people, the American side of things, being the ones to win all of the titles um, and unify all the titles in this show. But if there was one match where I think there's the greatest chance for an NXT UK talent or team in this case to come out with the titles, it's this one. So it is an elimination match. We need to do process of elimination to kind of determine who's going to come out as the winner. Briggs and Jensen are not walking out with the unified titles. It's not happening. They shouldn't have won the UK titles in the first place. They're the easiest first team to eliminate. But if not them, pretty deadly. So they will be the first or second team eliminated. I do believe this will come down to Diamond Mine, the Creed brothers in particular here, and Gallus. When you look at Diamond Mine, they've had a three-month championship reign. And they've done a pretty good job with the titles. I don't think anyone that is an NXT fan is ready for them to drop them. However, they're in the middle of a storyline in which there is infighting within their faction. And they have someone in Roderick Strong who it seems like is trying to screw them over even while he claims that he's not, including recently with this Gallus situation where, you know, they beat up on the other guys and they singled out Strong in the corner and they didn't touch him initially and then they eventually attacked him. Maybe that was a swerve. So I don't exactly think that it would make all the sense in the world for Roderick Strong to turn on Diamond Mine and then begin managing or working with or joining even Gallus. But I do think the element of Strong's existence creates a reason and a method to take the titles off of Diamond Mine while simultaneously taking Gallus, which is a legitimate group, extremely talented, and putting the titles on them to elevate them and say to everyone watching NXT, these people are important. You need to pay attention to them. Similar to how Pretty Deadly recently joined NXT and immediately won the NXT tag team titles. So my prediction for this match is that Diamond Mine, Creed Brothers, I'm sorry, and Gallus are going to be the final two groups with Gallus actually coming out on top as the unified champions. That creates an opportunity for the Creed Brothers after they get their infighting done or whatever ends up happening there to go after Gallus and try to win the titles back. Either they do or they don't. They get called up or they remain down there. But there's a clear storyline developing with those groups, whereas Briggs and Jensen, pretty deadly. They can go off and do their feud involving Fallon Henley and Lash Legend. They can have that match again. They can do different combinations. It does seem like a title change here makes the most sense to keep that storyline and keep that feud going. So let's go to the title versus title women's unification match. Mandy Rose, the NXT champion, defending against Meiko Satomura, the NXT UK champion, also defending against Blair Davenport, the only non-champion in this triple threat match. There was a solid vignette introducing Satomura to the American audience. I'm not sure that they could have really done more to kind of explain her. You really need to watch her wrestle. Shayna Baszler surprised by approaching Mandy backstage and looking down on her reign. Baszler said no one debated her own dominance when she was in NXT, but with Mandy, it's always a debate whether she actually deserves the praise that she demands. Baszler said Rose better unify the titles for the brand and herself because if she doesn't, all the talk that she's been giving 
for the last year. It's worthless and complete garbage. Alba Fire later approached Mako backstage, saying the title looks really good on her. Setamura responded that she won it from a great champion, and both women smiled. Davenport was putting herself over during an interview when Rhea Ripley interrupted to tell her how she grabbed both NXT brands by the balls when she was in UK, when she was in the United States, and she created an indisputable legacy. She warned Blair not to screw up the exact same opportunity. This was a great reminder that Baszler can cut a good promo when she's given the opportunity. It was also a smack over the head for me, trying to clear me of any thoughts of a result other than Mandy coming out of this match as unified champion. Do you really have Baszler talk to Rose like that if Davenport is going to win? Because it would prove what she said to be correct. And it would make Mandy look like absolute shit after they've spent 300 days building her up as champion. I just see no way that Satamora is going to be the unified champion coming out of this, even though if I was booking it, of course, that would be my hope. My expectation is Mako doesn't want to live in the United States, which the champion would need to. And I presume that she'll either go back to Japan or Europe, do the other work that she does. And then when NXT Europe begins, they'll bring her back into the fold there. So because of that, initially, I was leaning towards Davenport, somehow leaving the match with the titles. But that was until the Baszler promo. Now, maybe it's a swerve. If so, fantastic. But Rose is so far inferior to both of these women in the ring, and her title reign has lasted far longer than it should have or than it needed to. And yet, I don't see them going in a different direction. Mandy has held this title two months shy of a calendar year. Toxic Attraction already lost the tag team titles. If they didn't just start a new feud with Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley, I would say, okay, Mandy drops it. All three women get called up to the main roster together. Toxic already had the opportunity on SmackDown. They were injured. There's an easy way to bring them back with Mandy Rose. It explains everything. But I don't see that being the case. Again, because this feud is starting. That to me says Mandy has at least another month or two to go as champion. Toxic can fight with... Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley and do their whole thing. Maybe they get one more women's tag team title opportunity. They lose that. Mandy loses the championship. All three of them get called up. But right now, in terms of this match, I I can't see them having Setamora win, even though I would love that. I can totally see them having Davenport win. I just think at the end of the day, it won't happen here. Maybe Maiko takes out Blair. Mandy throws her out of the ring. Mandy pins Blair. So she unifies the titles, then Davenport gets a one-on-one opportunity and takes the title off Mandy, or Alba Fire is the one to take the title off Mandy, as should have already happened. That is how I see this transpiring, not Mandy losing the title this coming Sunday at Worlds Collide. And lastly, what will be the main event of the show, title versus title, the world championships, if you want to call them that, on the line, Braun Breaker, the NXT champion against Tyler Bate, the NXT UK champion in a unification match. Out of nowhere, Finn Balor approached Braun in the locker room saying he made the title the industry standard and it was Braun's responsibility now to uphold the lineage. Balor warned him that smaller guys can beat up on big ones and not to underestimate Tyler Bate. Later, Fit Finley made a surprise appearance. He handed Bate an iPad backstage. Pete Dunne was on video chat recalling their battle for the championship and trying to motivate Bate to win for the history of NXT UK 
and British strong style. Later, Gunther appeared to remind Bate that the NXT UK title has a legacy and that he must beat Braun because European wrestling depends on it. Champa later approached Braun backstage to explain that the NXT title and the brand mean the world to him, but it's Braun's world now because he represents the brand and can extend its legacy and the brand's legacy by making history and winning. So this one, despite the other two, the predictions being relatively easy, I would say, this one for me is difficult for a couple reasons. Number one, Bate just won the NXT UK title. He is also that brand's first ever champion. And the NXT UK championship has, you could argue, the strongest lineage of any top title out of any brand currently in existence. And I say that largely because the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, you know, recently got changed and there's been a lot of turnover with that. The AEW title, it's been, we had the interim title recently. It's been off and on a little bit. Hangman Page didn't have an extremely strong reign. And many of the other championships have existed for so long that they've gone through periods, certainly where the title was prestigious and didn't change hands a lot, but also periods where it flipped all the time. The NXT UK Championship, it has had a finite number of champions. And what is it? It's Tyler Bate, Pete Dunne, Gunther, the former Walter, Isla Dragunov, and now Tyler Bate again. That's it. And each of them, their reigns are, you know, I'd have to look, but hundreds of days at a time, I believe, right? So it is extremely prestigious, that title. By Pete Dunne and Gunther here, both saying to Bate, NXT UK's entire legacy British strong style as a discipline, European wrestling as a whole are all on your shoulders. Man, that makes it feel like, holy shit, Tyler Bate really needs to win this match and maybe NXT will actually have him win this match. But then you look at what was said to Braun Breaker. Finn Balor talking about the lineage of that title, the responsibility of the NXT brand, Champa coming in, talking about Goldie, talking about how important NXT is, not just for... NXT itself, but the company as a whole. And then you have the fact that Braun Breaker has been NXT champion for six of the last seven months. I believe his current reign is 210 days on its own or 180 days on its own. The point is this guy has been the champion of this brand for a long period of time, unless they want to call him up immediately, which I don't think would be the case. In my opinion, he is still nowhere ready for the main roster. Unless they're doing that, there's really good reason across the board for Breaker to be the one to beat Tyler Bate. So going into this match, in terms of my predictions, it is the toughest one for me to pick. But I am going to go ahead and choose Braun Breaker as the one to unify the titles. Because when you take all of the different things that I talked about and you put them side by side, at the end of the day, what does Braun Breaker have that Tyler Bate doesn't? Well, I hate to say it, but when it comes to NXT and the WWE, he's American, he's bigger, and he comes from the Steiner family, and they love that. So if it's a tie on all other counts, and one guy has those attributes and the other one doesn't, which one do you think is going to win the match? For me, I happen to believe it's going to be Braun Breaker. But I do need to say, for all three of these title unification matches, whether it's Braun Breaker or Tyler Bate, whether it's Diamond Mine, the Creed Brothers, I keep doing that, or Gallus. 
for those two matches, it doesn't really matter. I think the four champions would be strong. The one match where there could really be a drastic difference in storytelling and title prestige, depending on the winner, is the women's match. Again, I already went over why Mandy Rose is not very good, especially when compared to Maiko Satamara and Blair Davenport. But Mandy is the incumbent. She is the established women's champion on that brand. Blair has never won the title. Mako has, she's the final boss. She took it off the forever champion. Let's not forget. So Mako, if you were saying, hey, let's really establish this NXT women's title, she would be the one to unify the titles. If all things were equal and she was happy to live in the United States and all that, you would give her the title. But given it doesn't look like that is probably going to be the one happening, when it comes down to Mandy Rose and Blair Davenport, similar to the other people that I just mentioned for the men's title and for the tag team titles, it probably doesn't really matter when it's when you're choosing between the two of them. So that said, this is a six match or five match card, depending what happens with the Nathan Frazier and Axiom match that, as I said earlier, in a very short window of time has been built exceptionally strong. So when it comes to a pre-show grade, I'm actually gonna give it the same expectation grade that I gave to Clash at the Castle. And that's an A minus. I really think this is going to be a banger of a card. I think these people are gonna go all out to kind of remind everyone, hey, this is what NXT can be all about. There's an option that this show could determine the futures of numerous people on here. I don't think it's impossible that Tyler Bate loses the title and doesn't stay in NXT and goes right to the main roster. Maybe Butch, Pete Dunne, leaves his group, the Brawling Brutes, and they become British Strong Style or, or a new version of Mustache Mountain or something like that. I could see these types of things happening depending what the results of Worlds Collide are. So I think it's gonna be an exciting show, a well-wrestled show, a show that determines what NXT storylines look like going forward, but I also believe that there's a chance it has an impact on the main roster. And the fact that Ricochet, Dewdrop, and Nikki Asher on there adds a little bit more excitement when you have those polished main roster talents in addition to some of the polished NXT talent and some of the unpolished NXT talent that still needs to kind of grow and develop. Because of course, let's not forget, NXT is indeed developmental. So, you know, Clash of the Castle on Saturday, A- minus pre-show expectation grade, Worlds Collide, A- minus pre-show expectations grades. If both of those shows deliver, certainly going to be a lot of pressure on AEW All Out Sunday night, given both of those shows proceed it. At the same time, All Out will have the opportunity to say, hey, you guys saw some good wrestling this week. Let's show you some great wrestling. They have the chance to do that as well. So all three brands in terms of the regular WWE brand, NXT and AEW, putting on some pretty stacked cards. Uh, the AEW one at the time of this taping still needs to be filled out before I can definitively say that. But all three putting on what should be interesting, exciting wrestling cards. Um, we've already broken down WWE Clash at the Castle with our ultimate preview in our last show. Make sure you go listen to that. We just broke down NXT Worlds Collide with our ultimate preview of that show. And on Thursday, we will be back with our AEW All Out Ultimate Preview. Vintage Chris Manini joining the Silver King for that. And let's not forget, we will have two 
instant analysis shows this weekend. WWE Clash at the Castle on Saturday, either in the afternoon or the evening, depending what happens on that show. And then AEW All Out and NXT Worlds Collide, a combined two-in-one instant analysis show Sunday night as soon as All Out goes off the air. Do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast so you can participate in our pre- and post-show polls for all three of those events. You can also, by following us, be the first to know when new podcast episodes are released. We tweet live during all the major shows. And of course, before all three events this weekend, we will have live pre-shows on Twitter Spaces, previewing WWE Clash at the Castle, NXT Worlds Collide, and AEW All Out. We open the mics, we let you guys ask questions, provide your comments and your, your commentary heading into those shows. It's a lot of fun. It's a great way for all of us to connect together. Please do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast so you can enjoy all of that content and be in the know all weekend long. And also, please do not forget the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. So head on over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave us a five-star rating on Apple. Also leave a review to tell everyone why they should listen and subscribe to the show. Thank you all for listening to our second episode of the week. There is so much more to come here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. At this point, the Silver King is going to sign off and leave you with three final words. Bye for now.